What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right. Hello, and welcome to a Thursday afternoon edition of the Chase Thomas podcast. Chris Walder, my old friend, is back to talk some pro wrestling as we do every so often. Chris, good afternoon, sir. How are you? I'm doing good, buddy. Hanging in there. Uh, we're still in lockdown here here in Ontario, and not not a lot is open at this time. It's hard to get out and do a lot, and we're also snowed in as well. So just trying to keep busy, and I'm happy to be back on the podcast. I appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. A um, lot is happening uh, in the wrestling world um, as of late, um, highlighted by LA Knight's debut, uh, NXT uh, Vengeance Day um, over the weekend. Uh I this was something that just seemed obvious so long ago. Um, I don't know how you feel about it, but Eli Drake just had everything you would assume the WWE would want um, in a character in a professional wrestler, and uh, it finally happened under a different name. Not a big Eli Drake name person anyway, but L.A. Knight. Do you like it? And do you like his fit there? Uh, the name certainly stands out. When I heard it on the the pre-show there for the last NXT TakeOver, I thought it was a really cool name. And yeah, I mean, every time I saw him compete in, you know, on NWA Power or in Impact Wrestling, he just got the vibe that he was destined to eventually make it to WWE. I didn't anticipate him going to NXT per se. I thought he was more so a main roster guy. He fit that bill more so. But uh, the fact that he's in NXT... Uh, he could showcase his mic skills, and they're always looking for bodies there. Uh, I'm not exactly expecting five-star matches from him. I was never more a fan of his entering work. I think he's even better uh, in an announcing role or just as a straight promo guy, but it's another guy to throw into the picture there, into the the – the the world championship picture there in NXT or the North American title picture. So I'm curious to see how this plays out. Absolutely. And uh, it's kind of cool to just get uh, new names. Um, Ty Valkyrie obviously making, we don't really know yet whether or not she's going to go straight to the main roster, right? Like it's still uh, TBD, I assume. The NXT uh, women's roster is pretty, pretty full at the moment. I would just assume that Ty Valkyrie will end up on, uh, raw or smackdown i assume raw because her husband is there right yes so um uh but he wasn't on raw this week uh miz talked about that was there a, do you i don't really know why morrison was was not around uh yeah i'm not sure either i mean hopefully he's okay i think your mind jumps to like it's covid related or something's wrong with him every time someone doesn't appear on raw especially because they're lacking bodies to begin with but uh here's hoping is okay but yeah having taya valkyrie there with john morrison around i mean it just makes sense absolutely absolutely um all right man well there's some television that i want to get into this week did you uh have a chance to peruse the the just electrifying easy viewing experience that is monday night raw this week 
Monday Night Raw is a chore and a half for me. I, I try to follow along on Twitter more so. I, I can't invest three hours of my day uh, every Monday night. I was curious about the gauntlet match that closed the show, so I caught a bit of that, and I heard about what was going on with The Miz pulling himself out of the Elimination Chamber, being replaced by Kofi Kingston, who should have been in there in the first place. Uh, we'll see if maybe uh, that incorporates Ali. Maybe Ali takes him out and takes his spot to continue that storyline, but uh, more, when it comes to wrestling each week, my time is uh, committed to AEW Dynamite and the occasional Friday Night SmackDown. Monday Night Raw, they have to kind of string together a few good shows before I return. Yeah, I think the key, I mean, Raw, I, I don't watch any, um, outside of the pay-per-views, I don't watch anything live. I watch it early the next morning. Um, it's just not, I, I can't do it at night and just can't go through all that and there's other sports on and I just, I can't. So I watch yeah. it first thing the next morning on delay and all that kind of stuff. And it's actually really nice watching SmackDown first thing Saturday. I enjoy it. Um, but the gauntlet match that you talked about, AJ stole the show. AJ put on a clinic. Um, Drew survived for a long time. And there was a lot of back and forth on Twitter about what sense it made to put Drew through that and then lose. Because it was clear that he was not going to win and be the last entrant. So why would you put your WWE World Champion in this match, um, right before a big pay-per-view where he doesn't even win. So, uh, Sheamus obviously wins. Um, he pinned Drew via um, his uh, his big kick, if you will. Um, yeah. And uh, that, that happened. But Sheamus obviously not going to win the chamber. Sheamus wearing just incredibly odd garb at the moment. Um, not a big <laughs> fan of the hat and his entire get up and character, but you know, it's all about best friends breaking up in professional wrestling these days. And uh, yeah, so AJ stole the show, but it was something I wrote down in my notes where um, it's just, th this company just overthinks the little things where it's like, there's no reason AJ should not be the champion right now. Just let him be full Kenny Omega, heel Kenny Omega with his bodyguard mm -hmm. and give him some people and just let him run rough shot over raw like, he's still just the most talented guy, and it's not even close. And heel AJ is still my favorite AJ um, in this company. And just do AJ John Cena for the title at WrestleMania. Drew stinks, and uh, we don't have to continue doing this. We don't have to start off with him coming out um, and just say, shut the hell up to Miz and Miz TV to open, and then, like, him launching the briefcase and all that. Like, he, uh, I don't know. It, none of it uh, none of it was good. But I, I've talked to so many different people, and... Uh, who who just love professional wrestling like us, Chris. And yeah. it's interesting to get the perspectives on Drew. And um, the majority of people I talk with who cover this don't get it either. So I'm not alone. Um, where are you? Because we haven't talked about Drew that extensively on this podcast. Where are you at with Drew McIntyre build as the Roman equivalent on Monday Night Raw? I, I mean... I think Drew McIntyre has been one of the few things that WWE has got right during oh, no. this pandemic era. I'm not I'm not saying he should be pushed to the degree that he is. I mean, he's been WWE champion for a bit. He had that little hiatus in between when he dropped it to Randy Orton, which probably shouldn't have happened in the first place, but that's neither here nor there. I think he just looks like a Vince McMahon guy. He's come a long way from the Drew McIntyre who was in 3MB and, you know, the chosen one when he first arrived on SmackDown many, many years ago. But I like him. I think he can really go in the ring. He's a big man who's who's fairly agile. Uh, he, he hasn't had any blow-away matches. I would agree with you in the sense that AJ Styles, I think he's on a different level right now. I was kind of 
torn when he was paired up with Omos uh, or whatever his name is this week. I feel like they changed that on a drop of a dime. And AJ Styles, sure, he he would be great in kind of that Kenny Omega mold, but they don't see him like that. And it was nice to see him kind of get a bit of a run in that gauntlet match. But Drew McIntyre is obviously like their long-term project, someone they think that can be the the cornerstone of a Monday Night Raw for the foreseeable future. My big question with him right now is that he doesn't really have a clear direction heading into WrestleMania. I don't see him and Sheamus being a match that can close, you know, a night one or a night two on the grandest stage of them all. So it remains to be seen who's the kind of guy that you compare with him at this point. Maybe, you know, I've heard rumors about a John Cena, you know, who's always teasing not being on the show, but he eventually just shows up. Maybe a John Cena, Drew McIntyre pairing would be good for Drew, but I'm not uh, nearly on uh, nearly as down on McIntyre as say you and your colleagues. <laughs> I just He's overpushed. Like, he should just be... Like, he's booked correctly in the sense that, like, this is how Roman Reigns should have been booked years ago. But um, the sword coming out, uh, I'm big Scottish guy, all the different Scottish cyborgs and all the different nicknames. And um, Yeah. I just... There's something just not interesting about him. Like, he's just not interesting. And he is a good hand. He is someone you... He's a good B-plus guy, but he's treated like an A-plus guy at this point. And his body... Like, he's a great story. He seems like a great dude um outside the ring but he's just not uh he doesn't he he just doesn't fit and like i I, i'm with you there's no plan for him at wrestlemania and i just don't think there's a good option here so um he should lose at elimination chamber and it looks like with miz pulling himself out and that's good that they thought about this because there was no sense for miz to be in that match considering he has the briefcase and his after getting embarrassed by drew to close that opening segment this week on miz tv um his quote, like, content being awesome, I thought was good. And he was unhinged but in control. And this whole thing about, you know, I'm taking this in my own hands. Like, oh, I've done this before. I've become champion this way. I've, rest- I've made him at WrestleMania. I think all of that made sense. And I'm, uh, I'm glad that that was the storyline throughout the show was Miz giving up his spot, um, trying to give it to Morrison, who, like we said, was not there. But then ultimately we get this elevates Kofi back into the scene. Like he just hasn't been doing anything since moving to raw and um, they had a really good match and I enjoyed uh, Kofi winning this. Um, but, but yeah, I um, I'm glad Kofi's in it. And honestly, I wouldn't be opposed to Kofi winning uh elimination chamber and just running it back with uh, Kofi mania part two and doing Kofi versus AJ. Just do something like that. Like, I, I don't know. I just think everything that's interesting on raw should not include uh drew mcintyre i just don't think there's a path like edge makes no sense for him unless you turn drew um which i guess wouldn't be the worst thing but um i don't know i where do you want edge to go like what do you what do you think do you think it's just going to be roman because it doesn't look like it I don't know. I think it's pretty obvious at this point that it's going to be Roman Reigns. Uh, they teased it on the previous episode of smackdown well, when edge chamber. Didn't even say like whoever wins elimination well, chamber faces roman Oh yeah, well at the on the SmackDown Elimination Chamber, yeah, they face Roman that same night though. Oh, is it? Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay. That's that's the big thing there. It's not the winner goes on to Mania that's to face right. Roman. It's that's they face right. Roman later in the evening. Yeah, that's right. Um, which is a bad deal. Bad <laughs> bad deal for that. Yeah, one. I mean, um, yeah, I guess they will do Edge Roman, and they just want to do the spear spot. Like that's their double yeah. spear. They just really want to get that out there. And he's someone who can lose to Roman. Like, it doesn't uh, hurt Edge to lose to Roman, and they can close the show and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I guess 
Um, Edge Roman probably does happen. Um, it's the you, biggest match you could do right now in the company, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, Edge, <laughs> Drew McIntyre, you back yourself into a corner with two baby faces. You're not turning Drew ahead of WrestleMania. And Roman Reigns is your biggest and most popular heel in the company right now. So him and Edge, the Spear versus Spear storyline, you can have some really good build heading into that main event. I don't know. I think, honestly, I would say Roman versus Seth versus Brock is the biggest match they could do at this moment. Like, I think nah. the callback there of their history, you got Burn It Down back for Seth, Brock coming back with his old protege or old manager, um, Paul Heyman managing Roman. I think that that has legs. Um, that's something that they should probably do at SummerSlam or something. With them all, in the, like with them on the same show, but also Brock just not coming back until fans are back in uh, attendance is also going to be a problem there. But um, yeah, yeah, I guess realistically speaking, that is the that is the best they can do. Um, is Ric Flair the father of uh, <laughs> Lacey Evans? Uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Thank, thank, God they, thank God they cleared that up uh, in, on wrestling sites afterwards, that she is in fact pregnant. Uh, otherwise, I was ready to crown Charlotte and Lacey Evans the worst storyline of the year, and it's mm. only February. It, it's awful stuff. I mean, it's, it's cheesy. We know Ric Flair... Uh, in, in Wait, the hold K-fake on. Can I introduce world? you to the Dominic Mysterio and Mysterio family versus Murphy and Seth Rollins storyline? Well, that's from last year. Well, this no, it's is, still gone from... on. It still happened it? this year. Yeah, it's it's kind of disappeared the last couple weeks, but no, this this has been a thing this year. They uh they have had more matches this year on SmackDown since moving over. Yes. I, th- this is infinitely worse. Yeah, and Charlotte, uh, Charlotte should be the top, if not you know the one A, one B with with Sasha Banks right now. She should be used a lot better than no. she currently is. With Lacey Evans, who, yeah, great, she's she's pregnant. I- I'm glad they cleared that up. She can get pulled out of this match with Oscar, who no one was looking forward to at the Elimination Chamber. I'm sure a lot of people forgot that that match was supposed to happen. We'll probably end up maybe getting Charlotte versus Asuka at the pay-per-view. You know, for tag team partners. What a lousy reign with the tag team titles that was. Uh, just kind of came and went without any, you know, show of, of solidarity solidarity between the two at all. Maybe we'll get a title match between them at the pay-per-view. And hopefully Charlotte can go on to bigger and better things after this storyline with Evans, which is just total trash. But again, it's Monday Night Raw, and that's kind of what I expect at this point. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's tough. Um, it's now time for my favorite segment. Uh, Lince Dorado hype. He was backstage with Graham Metalik um, and Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle, I just I have a lot of thoughts there. I don't know where you're at with Matt Riddle, but um, <laughs> he he the, the comedy's not for me. But I could see Vince McMahon enjoying it. Um, you don't dig the Airbud jokes? No, it's just not for me. Not for me. But. He also uh, pinned MVP clean, and it looks like MVP may have gotten a little banged up in this match um, against the Hurt Business, but I will say, Lince Dorado, really good talker behind the scenes. Like, he was, uh, I thought he was really good in that backstage segment. I'm like, oh, give him more time. What else? Like, let him get a shot. Let him talk, and 
really do something with Lucha House Party. Um, do something with them. Like, and also just rename them, not Lucha House Party more. Uh, let them get serious characters and serious stuff. And, uh, you know, they're good. Uh, I, I just, uh, I don't know. I, I was impressed with Lince Dorado backstage. God, the bar is extremely low when it comes to, you know, these short backstage segments where Lince Dorado, of all people, gets to say a few words and all of a sudden we're like, yeah, we want to see more of this guy. He's Dude, good. It, he can it's talk. Never, he's fine. I mean, I don't really care to hear him talk at, at this point. They've they've been so mismanaged. You know, one week you see them get squashed on Monday Night Raw. They challenge for the tag team titles. Nothing comes of that. And then they were in the Dusty Rhodes uh, tag team classic, you know, and then you're supposed to take them seriously there. Lucha House Party is just kind of an afterthought at this point. They're just kind of there to be uh, the side pieces to Matt Riddle in this feud with the Hurt Business, which is never-ending. But I, I love to see them in the ring, but behind the mic, I mean, yeah, I, I guess, if, if you want to. Yeah. Are we getting Shane versus Braun at WrestleMania? Is that why Shane's yep. back? Is that what we're doing? Oh, yeah, of course. Isn't this what he does every year? He faces the big the, the big giant on the show. You know, he's, he's done stuff with Kane, The Undertaker, The Big Show, now Braun Strowman. He's going to jump off of something. Maybe he'll do the, the Kevin Owens spot that he desperately wants to do where he jumps off the giant ship at, at, in a Tampa Bay there. I don't like this. I, I don't like any of it. Um, but at least Naomi's back on television. You do something with Naomi company. Like, do something with Naomi. Um, are you keeping up with Impact since... Uh the the transition with AEW coming over and New Japan coming over I'm a, I'm a little bit more interested yeah ever since they have guys like you know obviously Kenny Omega private party getting a, a shot at the tag team titles I, I'm curious it's like every week now you're you're eager to see who's going to appear and now we of course have uh Juice Robinson and David Finley from New Japan Pro Wrestling that was a bit of a surprise they were good they had a really good match with Reno Scum Reno Scum's actually perpetually underrated they're actually a really good tag team yes. I enjoyed this match a lot um, they talked after, so Good Brothers came out, made some jokes about um, kind of what they were, their relationship in New Japan, and Juice and Finley were like, we're not actually young boys anymore, we've been around a long time now, Yeah. Um, but they can't talk. Like, just the dichotomy between the Good Brothers talking to juice and finley talking was unreal like i'd written down yeah. my notes i was like oh no pull the mic oh no oh <laughs> no just god awful like god awful uh, just the no charisma no idea what they're doing no cadence no understanding at all and just the paradigm between those two was just unreal like good brothers are just so good and it's just whenever i watch the good brothers on aw whether it's aw or impact it's like how did this company not just hand them the mics every week? Like, how did Vince not just listen to them talk and be like, yeah, like, why are we not giving these guys mic time and opportunities in WWE? Like, I just don't understand why they, they just did not get the time of day. It just makes no sense to me. Um, I don't know. What, what do you well think? The Good Brothers are better in this kind of setting, along with AEW, where they kind of have more free reign, more creative control when it comes to their promos. When they're saying these scripted Monday Night Raw-esque style promos, it, it just comes off very forced and not akin to the kind of characters and men that they are behind the scenes. And you obviously, like kind of you, what you alluded to there with the promo 
with Juice Robinson and David Finley. I think Juice Robinson is an extremely charismatic performer. You didn't necessarily get that from that promo. David Finley, I mean, I understand that they came up as uh, young boys together. They trained in the dojo together. I don't see a lot of chemistry between the two. I hope I'm kind of proven wrong in the coming weeks, and I assume they're going to get a shot at the Impact Tag Team titles somewhere down the road. But I think Juice Robinson is a league above where David Finley is at this point. Uh, but again, uh, it, it's cool just to see New Japan guys kind of coming in and you know working with Impact again. Maybe we'll see a few more in A&W, AEW as well. Perhaps, perhaps. Um, yeah, we we shall see. Um, last thing on Impact that I wanted to pick your brain about. Well, actually, this sure. is a two parter. Are you a Trey Miguel guy because he is now being presented as their Ricochet, their new star that they have locked down? He returned. He did not join the rest of his former uh, tag team partners, the Rascals, um, now MSK and uh, mm-hmm. NXT, um, he returned. And new look, treated as a rising star in this company. As an individual guy, he had a good four-way match with uh, Willie Mack, Davari, and Suicide. Um, it was pretty short, but like, I just, I don't know, because you know what didn't help? And this is something I'd written mm-hmm. down, was that like Josh Alexander and TJP opened this show. And I wrote about this on uh, chasetownspodcast.com, but TJP is maybe the best professional wrestler going just weekend over, like just his story. Oh yeah, telling. this is your hot take that He's you had last so time. He's so damn yeah. good. But also Josh Alexander is really, really good. And these two just, they had a really technical showing, like Matt Stryker also on commentary. I think he's the best play-by-play guy in wrestling at the moment. So I'm really glad that he moved over and just his calling and just how into everything he actually is and he's not calling uh their champion the wrong name on uh <laughs> their shows like uh, a certain aw commentator last night but um oh god he's so good and delo's charisma is just awesome and i love their their stuff but like the counter holds by tjp to the octopus holds to josh alexander going for the ankle locks and that being reversed into an octopus hold. like there's just so much stuff in this match and it was so quick and it made sense because alexander was trying to keep tjp on the ground and tjp can work technically he can work through the air he can do whatever um yeah. i don't know man this match was just everything you want in modern professional wrestling and then you watch miguel and i'm like trey miguel is not better than either of these two and i think he's still super young and he's got time but like i I don't know. Like, I think the Sammy Callahan stuff with him backstage where he's like, you just don't have the passion and like pushing uh, him to be more makes sense to me. But um, I don't know. I just, I think impact might be going a little too hard too soon on Trey Miguel. Does that make sense? Yeah, I totally understand that. I mean, I always dug Trey Miguel as the third wheel to the rascals when they were doing those that 70s show-esque promos which i thought were hilarious and obviously when they went off to nxt to become msk it, it kind of felt inevitable that miguel was going to join them but then he came out with a statement afterwards and said that there was like family reasons why he decided to stay with impact it kept him in the area which is totally fine but impact clearly sees more in him than i think a lot of people do at this point it's not to say that he's not a great performer between the ropes i think he's one of the best the company has but i need to see more character work from him and, and to put him up against a guy like sammy callahan who's you know one of the better characters in impact wrestling i think it just kind of shines a light more so on Miguel that he needs a lot more work in that regard but again if if he's their project then I totally understand why they're doing this with him I just think it's a lot too soon for the guy yeah absolutely I I that's where I'm at um 
AEW last night. What did you think of this show, Chris? Uh, exploding barbed wire death match spectacular. Mm-hmm. That's that that was my biggest takeaway. Uh, but but all in all honesty, um, you know I can always count on AEW to give me some some pretty solid matches. And I, I said this on Twitter last night. Follow me on Twitter at Walder Sports. Uh, the match, the the tournament match, the women's eliminator match between Riho and Serena Deeb. In my opinion, for my money, I think that was one of the best women's matches that that company has had. And they haven't had a lot yeah. of them, to be fair. But Serena Deeb is maybe the most underrated and one of the best acquisitions that company has ever had because that women's division needed a spark. And Serena Deeb, when she came in with the NWA Women's Championship, she instantly became one of the best performers in that kind of mix right there. I mean, you have your Hikaru Shidas, your Britt Bakers, of course, but Serena Deeb is probably pound for pound the best wrestler of that group. And even in a losing effort against Riho, who obviously is coming back after this 11-month hiatus because of the pandemic, and they're obviously looking to push her in this tournament, uh, someone like Serena Deeb made her look like a million bucks. And even in a losing effort, she didn't look any worse off because of it. So give me more Serena Deeb. And I think that was my biggest takeaway from AEW Dynamite last night was another really good match in this women's eliminator tournament, which this division has sorely needed. Yeah, I um, I like I thought this was the best match of the night. I thought the main event was cool. I think the main event post match angle was better. Um, I I was blown away. I think Deeb and Rio have just amazing chemistry in that ending sequence of the reversals with all the different pins and Rio getting her in that way yeah. was super smart. And um, Rio is just incredible. Like Rio is. She it doesn't make any sense how good she is sometimes when you look like the ninety pound stuff and everything and you're like yeah. this shouldn't look like this but she's she's great and uh, Serena Deep like I, I I agree with you there she's also awesome and hopefully we get more of this because Impact has or Impact uh, AEW has struggled um, making sure that uh, the women's division is propped up on each show so this was good. Um, another another subtle thing that they did as well was show highlights from the Japanese side of the bracket, which I didn't even think they were going to do because usually I remember when they did the the women's tag team tournament, they kind of just had like a little bar at the bottom kind of uh, revealing the results and whatnot. And, and maybe they had just a, a little clip here and there, but they showed match by match the winners and the losers. And I think to give more legitimacy to this tournament, because ultimately at the end of this, whether it is someone from the Japanese side or the American side, you're having them challenge Hikaru Shida for the title at Revolution. So you want everyone to feel a lot bigger because of this tournament, whether it's like a Yuka Sakazaki or a, an Aja Kong coming out of the Japanese side, you need to have the American audience familiar with them. And I think having these highlights kind of was a really nice, subtle touch by AEW. Yeah. I um I I'm excited for sure. Um, what did uh I thought the best like like moment was Paige missing um Hardy on the buckshot to close that opening segment. I thought that was a, like a really good camera shot. And yeah. I'm glad they caught that because him flying off and Matt just barely missing his head getting completely taken off. Because I I love the buckshot bomb. Like I heard the buckshot um Larry because yeah. that that's one of my favorite moves in professional wrestling. Um, no Sammy Guevara. Uh, this week as the inner circle uh, refers to him as being dead to Chris Jericho. Um, I don't know. I think uh, Paige versus Hardy will be good. I'm glad it's going to be a money match. Um, Yeah. I thought that was a good way of doing it. Kingston with a good promo of like, I got to get rid of you by beating you because it feels like him and 
uh, mocks have been going at it for a while. And um, there was a point in time several months ago where it's like, oh, I would just put the belt on Kingston. If there is something, if you're waiting on fans to do Kenny versus John, just put it on Kingston for a little bit through some shenanigans and uh, then put it back on mocks when, when the fans are back. But um, I loved the Kenny Omega going to school segment. Did you like this? Uh, I wasn't really a fan. I, mm. I just thought it, it kind of felt, it just felt like filler. Uh, once AEW Dynamite came to a conclusion, I was like, what was necessarily the point of that? Are we supposed to look at him like he's a scumbag because he's talking this way to children? Like, sure, he's already a heel. We didn't need this segment. We see a bunch of kids beating up Michael Nakazawa. I just kind of left it feeling like, ah, I could have done without it. Interesting. I thought it was funny. Like the very busy with charity line from Don Callis was was great. And then someone asking if the young bucks, a child asking if the young bucks were in love uh, to Kenny Omega. I thought it was funny. I don't know. And we hate not. It was total filler. Yeah, but it was just it was. But see, I like stuff like that. I don't like. I think all elite wrestling struggles with this sometimes, where it's like they just have banger after banger, and it's like I I can't just have wrestling matches. I got to have some other stuff. You got Impact Wrestling does this better than anybody else. Is Impact has these really authentic conversations backstage like tjp talking to scott demore um and then ace austin coming in and like tjp like as he like as austin lee's is like i thought it was aces uh aces up and like they make jokes they just talk like normal human beings all the time backstage and you see mm-hmm. all the different stuff they have the swingers place and uh james storm and chris saban drinking bud light unapologetically on his <laughs> teeth like it's just they they have fun with it, but I think they know that you can't just have, especially with no fans, where there's getting energy in these matches is hard. I think you need a lot of these segments, and I think these companies need to take more chances like this off screen, where it's like, hey, we need to fill five minutes. Here's this because like this one didn't bother me. The Jay and Shaq five minute thing of them playing basketball was really weird. Like what 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 are we doing? What what are we doing? What what is this? How does this help the Cody and? Uh, Red Velvet uh, match. How is is this? How they're prepping, shooting basketballs against Cody well, and Red Velvet. What he he can't do anything. Like he, he's not going to be on AEW, AEW Dynamite prior to this big mixed tag team match. Yeah. So yeah, sure, have him shoot some free throws, play some one on one. Oh, he well, great. He, he shot, shot a three. A three. One, one more three than he shot during his playing career. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that much. But again, it's just the image of seeing Shaq on a wrestling program is supposed to get you excited and of course it's on tnt which he has his you know inside the nba on so i i was fine with that because at least it's going to lead to something but this segment with the children with kenny omega i i I see where you're coming from where it's like yeah just kind of throw some things at the wall and see what sticks Uh, definitely now when there's no fans in attendance but you know at, at least have it mean something when it's all said and done and i don't think a segment like that really accomplished that it's fair. It's fair. Um, what did you think of the the ending to this show? What do you think of the double V triggers from Omega? Um, Good Brothers holding Mox, and they get the rematch. It's gonna be Mox versus Omega, and like you said, this exploding barbed wire death match. Um, yeah. <laughs> I I thought this was great, and I think this is the right conclusion. And also, I don't know where they're gonna go with this. I really have no idea which way they'll go. 
Well, the closer we get to Revolution and the fact that we didn't have a main event announced for the pay-per-view, I was kind of like, all right, this is the moment. We're probably going to get Kenny Omega versus John Moxley, a return match for the AEW World Championship. And then, you know, Omega starts getting into his promo. And the more he talked, I, I was just thinking to myself, oh, my God, are they going to do a buried alive match at the pay-per-view, which is so like old school WWF, just by the way he was saying that no matter what I do to you, Moxley, you always keep coming back. You're so stubborn. What do I have to do to kill you? And then he, he just goes into Moxley's face and he's like exploding barbed wire death match. And my first in, in, initial reaction was like, man, can they really get away with this? Like in Jacksonville doing a match to this degree. But at the same time, you, you think about Kenny Omega, someone who, you know, constantly refers to himself as the best in the world. And something that he's always wanted to do is kind of be the best in many different styles of professional wrestling. And Lord knows we haven't seen a match like this in quite some time. You look back to like the early nineties in FMW Japan, where this was very common. You know, the, you, you think of like the Terry Funks of the world and the Onidas where they were just, you know, fire and sparks and barbed wire and blood and whatnot. But now we're going to see this in a mainstream, you know, wrestling promotion. And I, I, I also go back to the full gear match that we saw the lights out match between John Moxley and Kenny Omega, which I think rubbed a lot of people the wrong way because it was far more intense and brutal than many people probably anticipated when they were suplexing each other into barbed wire and using shards of glass and tearing the mat up. At least now you can kind of anticipate that this match is going to be extremely gory and bloody and brutal. So you can kind of build up your emotions and your anticipation. You know, at the end of the day, it's John Moxley versus Kenny Omega. Personally, I would prefer to see them in a straight up wrestling match because I think they're two of the best in the world in that regard. But just the the sheer interest of what the hell these two are going to pull off. And maybe this is a chance to write off John Moxley as well, because, you know, of course, his wife is pregnant. She's going to be due very, very soon. Maybe this is the way of getting him off television for a bit. Yeah, um, we'll we'll see. We shall see. Um, all right. Well, that's all I've got, Mr. Walder. Is there anything else that uh, you'd like to add on the pro wrestling front before we wrap up here? Uh, actually, yeah. I mean, uh, for anyone who listens to my podcast, the Walder Sportscast, I usually dive more so into basketball than anything else. But on my next episode, which I'm hopefully uh, going to have released on Monday, uh, I'm going to be having Shane Taylor from Ring of Honor Wrestling, Ooh, nice. who's, who's going to be challenging Roosh for the ROH Championship on February 27th, I believe. So we're going to talk about that match. And I'm also recording that show with him the day after his uh, six-man tag team title shot with uh, the Soldiers of Savagery against the uh, Bandito and Flamita, and I forget who's the other part of that team, but they're challenging for the ROH six-man tag team titles, so maybe he'll have some championship gold around his waist uh, when I record the show, but for any wrestling fans out there, Walder Sportscast episode 31 released this Monday uh, with Shane Taylor. All right, go do that. Uh, Man, keep up the great work. I'm happy for you, my man, and... uh... All the continued success, and we'll talk pro wrestling soon for that guy up there in Ontario, Canada, for myself down here in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. That is all we've got, but uh, more uh, coming on this podcast after this. Thanks, guys. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history, relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.